name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Feels a little odd to be deaconless. <laughs> I'm hardly ever deaconless. So, it's good practice, though. So, beautiful scriptures today, and so, um, kind of looking at them, uh, I want to just take a look at some of the verses that kind of came out at me, and then we'll speak to each of them. The topic is that we are builders in the kingdom of God. We're building the kingdom, our little part, right? We're doing our little part. We're builders in the kingdom of God. Everything around us, ourselves, our families, our workplaces, our community, our church, we're building the kingdom. You're builders. So kind of hang on to that as we go through this. <clears throat> the first verse is, uh, that I want to kind of contemplate is, You are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you. It's a pretty powerful statement. You're God's temple, and this God's Spirit dwells in you. So how are you taking care of the temple? How are you doing? Managing the temple. Keeping the temple clean, keeping it orderly, full of grace. So I've got the little encouragement to you. From, uh, if you can find it here. Ah, here it is. From um, Moses the Ethiopian, who lived a pretty troubled life to begin with, but then a great convert to the faith and a very powerful saint. It's completely impossible for our minds to not be bothered by shameful thoughts. It's impossible. Everyone who has come to self-control, however, is able to either accept such thoughts and commit himself to them with interest or to reject them. For while the coming upon us of such thoughts does not depend on us, their banishment from our mind does depend on us. The retrieval of our mind from them is the work of free will and vigilant care. So he gives us the, the solution. Free will and vigilant care. How do you control your thoughts? You strengthen your will. You say yes to the good stuff and no to the bad stuff. Here comes the bad stuff. What do you say? Here comes the good stuff. What do you say? See how simple it is? It's really, if it is that simple. Yes to the good, no to the bad. It's so interesting, you know, the church gives us this beautiful discipline called the Holy Fast. And I drive by In-N-Out Burger every Monday and every Wednesday and Friday and during every fast season, and guess what I have to say? No! No left turn. You're going home and having a tuna sandwich. <laughs> what? No yes. Right? 
The, the issue here, though, is really important to know that your no needs to be followed by a quick yes to an alternative. Because just continually saying no, no, no is not going to work. We know that. You know, don't eat that hamburger, 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 don't eat that hamburger. Don't do that. Don't eat that hamburger, don't eat that hamburger, eat the tuna. See, yes. A yes. You need a yes that follows the no. So, simple. Free will. Yes, no. The Lord even says it. Make your yes, yes, and your no, no. Very, very firm. And then vigilant care. Pay attention. Pay attention to when you're at the most risk for temptation. Pay attention to when you're at most risk from falling to that thought. Many times we have a troubled thought and we get rid of it very quickly. But if we're tired, we're, we're self-pitying and we're, oh, poor me, and I've had such a hard day. And Then that thought comes and it just rips you to shreds. Know that it's coming. Know this is the time you must be most vigilant, most aggressive. And when it shows up, you have to have a, a, an immediate alternative. Don't just sit there and fight it. You've got to jump to something new, different. Find a, a, an alternative quickly. Vigilant care. So God helping us be temples of the Holy Spirit. The next uh, is we are God's fellow workers you're God's field, God's building. Each of you is irreplaceable. There's a brick in that wall that only you can fill. Only you can do it. God made it that way. So it's important for us to understand how important we are as individuals in the building. You're irreplaceable. See, that's why when uh, you're not here, I feel sad. Why? Because you're irreplaceable. You're a brick in the building. We understand how important this is. We have a role to play, a gift been given to us by God to be a particular brick in the building. You're irreplaceable. How do we build? We have divine helpers. We have the architects of the ancient church that's been given to us. We know how to do this. I'll tell you the story and I'll tell it over and over again. When we were struggling to find orthodoxy and we were kind of arguing, every time we'd come up to something that was a little bit controversial, we'd argue about it. And Father Jack Sparks of blessed memory said, you know, when we find something the church has always done and always believed, why don't we just do it and believe it? was like, wow. Why? Because these are saintly people that gave it to us. It's not just a good idea, right? These are people that gave their lives for Christ and his kingdom. And they handed us the blueprint. Here's how you do it. Here's how you worship. Here's your spiritual life. Here's your moral life. All of it together is given to us by holy people 
who gave their lives for that very reason, to hand on what God gave to them to us. Athanasius gave his life to hand on the faith to you. St. John of Damascus gave his life to hand on the faith to you. St. Irene, the great martyr, handed on, lived her life, died for Christ so she could hand the faith to you. So we have the blueprint. We know how to do it. Thanks be to God. We don't have to invent it. You know, it's very interesting. Um, I remember years ago, uh, a couple years ago, actually, I prayed with these pastors in town, and we were approaching uh, Pascha, Easter. And they said to me, Father Nicholas, there's so much pressure on us at Easter because it's got to be the best service. It's got to be the best homily got to be the very best music. And I said, yeah, it is for us all the time. Because we don't, we don't reinvent it. We don't, there's no pressure on, on us to, to kind of come up with it, right? There's pressure on us to do it well, and it should be. We need to be well. We need to do it well. But we've been given the blueprint. And it's very interesting to me that people will come to our Pascha service, even that aren't in the Orthodox community because they love it. They see the ancient faith lived out in that very moment. So, we're God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. According to God, according to God's grace given to us, which is Christ Jesus. So we only can do this by the grace of God. But we do have a, a job to do, a chore to do in the kingdom. But I want to read this uh, beautiful comment by uh, Bishop Ken Nutner, a Catholic bishop, on the, on the death of uh, uh, Oscar uh, Romero, who was an archbishop in El Salvador, years ago. This is about building the kingdom. He says, it helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom of God is not only beyond our efforts, it's even beyond our vision. We, we accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of that magnificent enterprise that is God's work. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing this. This enables us, however, to do something and do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it's a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and to do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that's the difference between the master builder and the worker. We're workers, not master builders. We're ministers, not messiahs. We're prophets of a future, not our own. Beloved, we're given an opportunity here to lay a brick in the foundation of the great enterprise, which is God's kingdom on earth. May we do it well. May we do it well. May we hand on what we do well to the next generation. This is really important piece to us. So 
I'm very encouraged at where we are as a community, and uh, I'm very encouraged by you all, because I know you, we, you are the kind of people that like to put your hand to the plow. So God is with us, beloved, and I think we're headed in a very, very good direction. I've got a lot more homily here, but I felt like I just concluded. So hop off that conclusion. We're, we're still on the road here. <laughs> so. so in the gospel text, we hear these words. Uh, the Lord, it's always an interesting text when Peter is like, Lord, that's you. Tell me to come. Come. He gets out of the, starts rushing out like all of us, rushing with enthusiasm. And then we see the waves and the wind and we crumble and sink. <laughs> he says, take heart. Have no fear. And uh, so I want to read this beautiful text, which is inspired me uh, in relationship to our vision in this church. So why should we have no fear? Second, uh, third chapter in Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, from the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. To him be power and glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all ages, world without end. Amen. Why do we not fear? Because God is with us. That's why we don't fear. God is with us. So important for us to understand that and to lean into that, lean into that reality all the time, that sometimes we, sh we, we kind of lean away from problems or troubles, we should lean into them. Because guess where God is? He's right there. He's in that place. So when we try to flee the issue, maybe leaning into the issue is where he is. We can find him there many, many times. So... Um, what happens when we fail? We say, Lord, save me. And what's he do? He stretches down his hand and he lifts us up. We did to Peter, right? Lord, save me. It's not a complicated prayer, beloved. <laughs> Help me. Lord, save me. Lord, heal me. It's simple. It's, not, it's a very simple move. With a broken heart, with a brokenness in our life, we cry out to God, Lord, save me. And he stretches out his hand and he lifts us up. 
So then he calls, he tur turns to Peter and his disciples, and he says, Oh, man of little faith, why do you doubt? So, I want to conclude by encouraging us to overcome our doubts. Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. How many things work for good in your life? All things. All things work for good. If you turn into God, we can become embittered, we can become angry, we can go the wrong direction. But they all can work for good if we turn to God with them. What then shall we say, what, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us, beloved, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Beloved, blessings to you all.